Hi, this is Justin Hobbs with the California NBA. Welcome to Connect, our monthly podcast featuring one-on-one interviews with movers and shakers and uh, headliners in the mortgage industry. Today, I'm excited to be joined by uh, S.A. Ibrahim. He's uh, chairman of Mortgage Media, which is a new company just uh, um, uh, formed in 2018, but they've already generated a lot of buzz with their original industry reporting and video interviews, podcasts, and more. So I'm excited to hear what uh, S.A. has to say about uh, where the industry is and uh, sort of his background, how he got to where he's at, and, uh, and even more. So, but before we get started, though, I want to thank our sponsors at the Real Estate Services Trust, or REST. So, if you're looking for high-quality employee benefits that don't break the bank, which I think that's everyone in the industry this year, uh, the California MBA has an employee benefit solution that could be a game-changer for your organization. So, we've established in partnership with the Marshall McLennan Agency, which is a nationwide top-leading brokerage firm, We've established a Real Estate Services Trust, which provides real estate services employees uh, with competitive benefit plan options at affordable rates. So by leveraging the uh, uh, specific health profile of the uh, mortgage industry, the real estate services industry, we've been able to create a larger risk pool. And so in a sense, it gives small companies access to big company benefit plan options. And benefits, there's benefits beyond just saving money. There's a lot of great uh, value-added options at no additional cost for companies that enroll. So if you're interested in finding out more, if REST can help your company save money, retain employees, and uh, uh, provide your employees better benefit options, then make sure to click the uh, link in the description or the show notes below. So with that out of the way, SA, uh, there's a lot to talk about in the industry right now, where things are at and uh, where we're going. But before we get into that, I want to hear your story. I always like to ask folks, you know, how they got to where they're at in the industry. So tell us for a moment, you know, sort of how you got to where you're at now. First of all, Dustin, it's great to see you again. And we go back to the, when I was on the board for so many years at the California Mortgage Bankers Association, back uh, working with exciting people like Bill Dallas and Chris George and bringing the California Mortgage Bankers Association back into profitability and recruiting Absolutely. great people like you and so on. <laughs> so terrific being here. So uh, yeah, so this is, uh, I'm in a sense retired. I retired from Radian uh, almost two years ago after a long career in uh, the financial services. Uh, I was at Radian for 12 years and experienced one of the biggest downturns in the industry and our stock was decimated and we dropped to below a dollar and when we brought it back to my team and I brought it back to $19 and got our credit investment rate ratings back in our mortgage insurance business and disposed of our financial guarantee business one of the few companies that actually made money uh, more you know that did not lose a lot of money in fact we were able to cash that in uh, I said it's time to do other things and more exciting things and while my board initially uh, tried to talk me out of retiring. Uh, the reason I retired is for stuff like this, because when you are running a public company, in many ways I could not invest in other companies and so on, because somehow or the other, that company, if it did business with a public company, we'd have to a disclosure event or issues. So I'm having a lot of fun. So I keep telling people, when you're a public company CEO, it's a very glamorous job, but 80% of that job is fighting fires and dealing with, uh, I can call it now, otherwise boring stuff. And now I can only concentrate on the fun stuff. <laughs> well, you, you put out some fires during that time. You were waiting for sure. Uh, what about before that? I mean, I think you, I mean, what I always like about your background is you've run both sort of one of the top mortgage companies and one of the top, you know, vendor uh, companies in the industry. So you've seen it sort of from both sides. 
Well, that's what makes uh, life exciting, and that's what helped me even at Radiant to anchor me in and look at things from the point of view of our customers, which were the mortgage lenders. And I, I have been a huge, huge fan of the industry. This is an industry that has so many entrepreneurs, people with so many ideas, and uh, there's a lot of new ideas growing all the time. So, uh, <laughs> you know, nobody can keep up with what's going around the corner. It's a very exciting industry and it's always changing. So that's what makes it so exciting. And most important for all is the mortgage industry performs a huge service. I mean, it's a pretty noble calling to help people uh, be able to buy their home, which is probably one of the, if the only financial decision which is equivalent of having a child or getting married. <laughs> it's right up there, absolutely. Well, and that's what I always like about talking to you know mortgage guys. I mean, you all have that in common. That, that's you know the one thing you always go back to is what are we doing in this business? You're helping families get into homes. And, I right. was, you know, and at Greenpoint, again, I've been very fortunate in being surrounded by outstanding people at Greenpoint. We were able to take that company from, I use poetic, poetic uh, license in rounding things off, from six billion in originations to 60 billion in six years. And in the time, grew our profitability enormously, introduced new, te new technology where we were awarded the biggest technology innovator award uh, by a global panel and all kinds of exciting things. But it all comes down to the amazing people who populate the mortgage industry. And they're very passionate and extremely dedicated. And I really owe my career to those people in both companies as well as uh, Chemical Bank before that, which later on became is today's JP Morgan Chase Mortgage. Yeah. It's today's Chase Mortgage. Yeah, it's a small it's a small world in the uh, in mortgage business for sure. So tell us about this new company that uh, I believe that you and actually Dave Stevens have been uh, working with at Mortgage right. Media. So we started Mortgage Media. Uh, I came up with the idea and then uh, Eric Sousa, who had worked for me at Greenpoint and I'd stayed in touch with him and Tom Wilkins, who recently, uh, who, who I got to know when uh, Greenpoint partnered with Dorado and since then Dorado and Greenpoint and then subsequent companies have been organizing a think tank of uh, mortgage industry professionals twice a year. Uh, so we thought, going back to all our experiences, that uh, the biggest way people learn in a vast industry like that is through peer-to-peer -peer contact. And most people don't get a chance to spend one-on-one -on -one time with some of the more exciting people in the industry, be it Dave Stevens. But, you know, there's so many people in the industry who are amazing. Uh, and I'll just pick on one, Chris George. I mean, you can't keep up with the guy. I mean, no. he alone is <laughs> like, uh, no, <laughs> warning himself. Absolutely. So how do you bring some of the those people closer to just yeah, the, the, everybody yeah. in the industry so that they can learn from them if they're at a senior level? If they are at a mid-career level, they can take some of the ideas. And if they're at a junior level, they can aspire to be one of them because these people have interesting stories. And there's a lot of future Chris Jordans and Bill Dallas's in the junior cadre in our industry. Well, and you put it that way, that makes it kind of interesting. <laughs> now I want to find out who those are. So, so Mortgage Media brings, shares these people, their stories, their insights, their knowledge with everybody. And then with Dave Stevens now on board, we also get a chance to opine on the more topical issues that are facing the industry. You talk about wealth of knowledge with you know, between you and Dave. Um, so did you guys see that there was a, maybe a gap in uh, or a need for better reporting on industry news? I mean, there's a lot of uh, you know, publications that report on I mean, every you know, newspaper in the country and every outlet in the country uh, reports on business matters. Did you see there was sort of like a gap in there? 
Well, uh, again, if you look at sheer content, there's a lot of people report the content. What we wanted to com combine was passion, opinion, excitement, and the personal stories with the content. So that's what we're all about. This, this is, you know, a very important industry, but at its essence, every business is a human business. There's human beings who make the stories, who make the connections, who make things happen. And a lot of our focus is on those human beings. Yes, we get into issues and so on. But even when Dave interviews a lot of people with, on issues, and he, he's a wealth of knowledge and connections and everything, uh, and a wonderful person who I've known for so many years. But, you know, uh, we get personal opinions uh, because that's what it is. There's nobody has the right answer, particularly when you're looking at the future and pointing at some of the challenges facing us. So we allow that human dim dimension to come out. And that's what mortgage media is all about. I like that. So do you think that, uh, and this has always been a, a bit of a, um, always stuck with me as, I mean, I do the communications and PR and marketing for the California NBA. My background is in, in politics and media. And uh, so, you know, it always strikes me that there are not enough lenders. Lenders don't do enough to engage with media. And, you know, is this, you see this as maybe an opportunity where they can feel more comfortable working with you guys to get their stories out. And because you're right, there are a ton of great stories out there that just don't get told. Yeah. And, and the advantage we have is in many cases, they know of us or they know us directly and trust us. And we're not here to play gotcha games or make anybody look silly. Uh, we are here to, uh, to actually celebrate the amazing people who make up our industry and their opinions and their thoughts. And that's what we do. So we, so that's what, so we found an enormous receptivity with lenders and with other people who supply services to the industry. One of our early, early interviews was with Jonathan Core, who has taken over from SIG and done an amazing job. And I knew SIG for years when he started uh, uh, Elime. And, you know, for a long time, you said, ah, is there somebody who could fill six shoes? And Jonathan is doing an outstanding job, and we were able to capture him and get people to share. So, so we're trusted, we have access, and uh, we hope to continue to uh, share with everybody in the industry and outside uh, some of the excitement and energy and vision that these people have. That's great. That's great. So, in from your perch, you know, at uh, now with sort of a mortgage uh, yeah, a media firm, you've been a, a public company CEO. You know, if you could give some advice to someone, because this is something I always run into talking to uh, folks in the industry who are just, you know, in a sense, a lot of people are just terrified to talk to reporters. And there's good reason why, right? right. I mean, there's good reason and bad reason. So if you could, you know, from your perspective, your uh, background, if you could tell someone, you know, encourage them how to engage with media, one tip maybe, what would it be? So first of all, uh, there's a lot of places where you can get trained or just get a video camera and start speaking in front of it and get your key points of very uh, sharply defined before you go into discussion so you can get them out. And then you may want to repeat them for emphasis. But then, you know, don't be nervous. Don't be afraid. Now, the problem that most people have, and I've had that experience, is sometimes, you know, you talk to reporters and they will take what you said and either pick out a piece out of context or twist it because they're trying to get a headline. So uh, start off with somebody like you or us or many of the people who are more in the industry and are trying to do what we do because these are trusted sources before you go into the big media and get some kind of training. So before you go on 60 minutes, <laughs> you've got to go through a lot of other things. 
So mortgage media first, then sixty. <laughs> right. All right. So uh, uh, turning to uh, industry itself here. So uh, in October, the uh, NBA's annual forecast for uh, 2019. It was you know essentially the originations are going to be flat for the year overall. And uh, you know so from your perch, it's sort of 50,000 feet. You know, where do you see, do you see that as sort of a natural result of where we're at in the cycle or is there something, you know, in the way of where we're at in, 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 as an industry? I mean, the economy seems like we're doing really good right now and unemployment's really low. So, I mean, sort of where do you see the, uh, in the next year or two uh, with uh, originations and why? So a couple of perspectives on the cycle. By definition, we've always been a cyclical industry. We've seen cycles come and go. I like the shallow cycles best. You know, the deep cycles, and hopefully we'll never see the kind of cycle we saw in the 2007, 8, 9, 10 period in our lifetimes. The shallow cycles are great because they squeeze out the excesses in the industry. They get us all focused on the essentials, managing expenses, thinking about what exactly is our role is. And then we have easy times when there's a lot of refi business. Right now, the industry is hit with the fact that refis have gone away because rates have gone up. Uh, purchase market is uh, also experiencing a slowdown. I'm, I was kind of positively surprised that the MBA is saying flat versus down, which is great, but it's still, there's a lot of capacity that builds in and then it squeezes out. This is the story of our industry. And I think over time, we develop great leaders in the industry because they go through these cycles. So I think, yes, this is a challenging year. I hear from everybody that not only are originations down, but there's a lot of pressure on margins. And the downside of this cycle is that it's happening at a time when origination costs are very high. So, you know, you've got a layer of expenses that people built in. Plus, you've got to be very careful now that, uh, you know, you're going to focus on loans that close because the cost of working on a loan that doesn't yeah. close is much more, much greater than the past and the past. When we all had down cycles, we would go and try and get all kinds of borrowers so we see what qualify them. The great thing from my perspective, looking at our industry as a whole, is this down cycle is happening, like you said, at a time when unemployment is uh, very, very low. We've got a strong economy in terms of the unemployment rate. And while the stock market has been going through ups and downs, in general, it's been pretty strong. Uh, everywhere you see the, the other indicators of the economy are down. So yes, Homes, you know, sales are down, home prices are down in some of the overheated market. But I am encouraged that many of the things that caused some of the big problems for the industry, the down cycle last time, such as some of the uh, toxic products, they don't exist anymore. Lenders have been pretty tight. So I hope since, we, since cyclically we've got to endure a cycle at some point that this cycle and this year gets behind us very quickly in a benign way, so then we look forward to the next growth cycle. Ultimately, though, I'm very encouraged that the long-term signs for industry are positive. There's a huge cohort of people who are, you know, under 25, and there's a bigger cohort of people who are under 15 who are going to be home buyers in the future. Now, in many cases, these are different people than what we've seen, uh, where I saw in my career. In many cases, particularly if you focus on those under 15 and to a large extent under 25, these are, you know, Hispanic, African-American, Asian, and also, you know, the, the, the same buyers that kind of buyers we had in the past. It's just that the proportions have changed so much. So I know at, we used to, Teresa Bryce, who worked for me, Bryce Moore, who worked for me at Radian, would always 
cite the fact that 40% of the future buyers are going to be Hispanic. So it's another way in which we as an industry are going to have to learn how to adapt to this changing demographic and to meet their needs. And their needs might be different in some ways, but the beauty of our industry is we have risen to all of these challenges. Well, and I think that one of those, and I think you're right that about uh, the demographics for sure, and I think even you know the sources of income, I think that is going to be a big challenge in the future. How do you deal with folks who are you know driving Uber or you know recharging scooter batteries in San Diego? I mean, what do you do with that in, with that income? I think that's going to be a challenge for the industry for sure. Um, so for a number of years now, and it's funny, you, this is perfect segue here. It's that for a number of years now, the industry has recognized the need to increase efforts to promote diversity in the workforce. So. How do you think we've been? How do you think we've done? What do you think still needs to be done? Where are we at in that process with uh, improving diversity, both in the workforce and with the borrower cohort? One of the areas that uh, uh, we have to recognize is once you go below the top layers in the industry, in the industry, we are a very diverse industry. We've got an industry where I believe women outnumber men in terms of the employment. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, uh, you know, people from different demographic groups that make up the industry. Now, that said, we've got to find a way to move them to the top. And it's always very challenging and difficult because you've got one or two positions at the top and you've got many people whining for them. And it's a very difficult judgment call. And I had a very interesting panel uh, I interviewed a, a couple of months ago, which was the Empower women's panel and I was blown away by the quality and the and the vision and the skill set and the the and how articulate some of these women leaders in the industry are. And later on today I'm going to be interviewing some of the Empower panel people also. So I think uh, um, there's two or three dimensions to it. One is we need to make sure the boardrooms and the selection processes include people from that diversity. So we need to start at that highest level because they're the ones who are going to be making the selection. It's very hard for somebody to see all the positive attributes and somebody is so different from them. The second thing we've got to do is uh, without in any way doing things that are unfair or, you know, making other people who are not part of the local, other, dem you know, the demographics we're trying to encourage feel their disadvantage, we've got to give everybody opportunities and bring in more people and be more inclusive as an industry. So there's a huge cohort of people. Now, uh, there was a somebody I was having a discussion with who said, we need to get more women and more, uh, you know, Hispanic and African-American uh, employees into the sales group. I think in certain markets, we already have a lot. In fact, some of my star performers at Radian as well as Greenpoint were women. Women were the top performers on the sales side. And then, you know, in places like Southern California and so on, and Texas, we had, and in, in, in Florida, to some extent with the Cuban Americans, we had more uh, Hispanic Americans who came up. But we, we have to find out by creating work environments uh, where we talk to them and find out what is it that may be blocking them, what are some of the encouraging role models that we've got to give them, and create maybe a buddy system to help them come along. And again, I'm not suggesting we compromise our standards in promoting everybody because I don't believe that just because somebody, you know, is uh, from a certain demographic se segment, they're less bright or so on. They're equally bright. They just haven't had the opportunity. Or somebody's a woman, they're 
less bright. In fact, they're equally bright. In fact, in most cases, some of the women I had were working for me. I work for them. Really, were brighter in many ways. So we just have to be open-minded about them and find out what's blocking them and help them. And a lot of it is giving them confidence as well as opportunity. I used to tell somebody, not just women, men, not across all demographics. I used to tell everybody that my job as the CEO and leader of all the companies I've worked on, a big percentage of my job, maybe 10%, 15% of my job, was to go around and find out how to turn on people in the company. Because I think every one of us is capable of achieving a lot more than we believe we can. And there are barriers we have set for ourselves. And maybe some of the barriers that some of the people who come from different demographic graphic groups are different because they have not experienced the same role models. They have been subtly as well as uh, directly getting signals that say, oh, you you know, should not expect to get somewhere. And we've got to find a way to re erase and remove those barriers so they feel the confidence and they aspire to get to the top. Yeah. And then they will get to the top. <laughs> Well, and I think in you know encouraging any you know professional development that we can for these folks as well. I mean, I, I I'll mention that uh, you know a quick plug for our own uh, future leaders program that I staff, and I see it all the time. I mean, the uh, you know the diversity within that future leaders group that we do every year. And I'm sure it's the same at the national NBA. It's you know it's incredible, and yeah. it really shows that there's a lot of power and a lot of potential in that uh, in, in that diversity that we have within the younger segment of the. Maybe I'll come by and interview some of those people at the Future Leaders Program because I, I remember now. having having uh, sent some people from the companies I was with, and they really got a lot Absolutely. out of it. Yeah, I think Teresa actually was a, a yes. one of our Future Leaders way, I mean, she's, way back now. She's yeah. a very uh, oh. inspiring yeah. role model. Here's a woman who, you know, whose mom was a school teacher in Norfolk. Her dad worked in the Naval Shipyard. She went to, uh, you know, Virginia University of Virginia. Then went to Columbia, got her, uh, you know, JD degree from Columbia. You can, she can hold uh, up to anybody out there in terms of brilliance and standard, uh, you know, knowledge and insights and experience. Gotcha. So, you know, we need to take people like that and make them ambassadors in the industry to open up doors for them. 100%. But Marsha and what she's doing and what you guys are doing is also amazing. You know, the the MBA has really started to focus on it, and I'm delighted. By the way, I have a a foundation from a family, which is when Greenpoint sold, I took a lot of the money I made and put it in a foundation said I don't really need it. And one of the things we do is we have a scholarship we set up where we paid for, I believe so far, tuition, full tuition for six women to get the MBA for, from Wharton School. We've got, it's, it's strictly focused on women getting the MBA and becoming better role models. That's great. There needs to be more of that. So because I think, you know, in my mom's generation, she was the brightest person I knew, but she was made. She 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 married. Got married right after she finished high school. She never got a chance to go to college. She would have been brilliant if she had had those opportunities. And it always tells me how can I make up for what my mom didn't get an opportunity to do with other women. Well, it sounds like you're working on that. Absolutely. So uh, speaking of these younger borrowers, so they're becoming the millennial borrowers. You can't have a conversation about the industry right. without talking about millennials. Um, they're becoming more and more prevalent in the uh, uh, borrower cohort. Now, I think they're actually the largest uh, cohort in the uh, within borrowers right now. So how do you think that, uh, you know, the ascent of these millennial borrowers, how is that going to change the nature, the delivery of mortgage products in the next couple of years? You know, we try to classify millennials in different groups, and there's some things that are common to them, but 
each one is very unique and to some extent based on where they live and what kind of work they do and other factors. Uh, yeah, but it's very, very interesting. I talked to some of my friends my age and they would talk about all these fancy cars and they say, you know, he says, my son doesn't really care about a car. And I said, my son doesn't care about a car either. In fact, uh, you know, he says, why do I have to want to own a car? You know, same thing about a house or anything. They look at it as a utility and a problem to be solved. So what do we do as an industry for them? You know, the auto industry is testing subscriptions and other plans for things like that. Do we create the same kind of thing for housing? I don't know the answers, but we've got to understand what their needs are and address them. But there's still a large number of them who still will follow the conventional steps of, you know, if they're not living in major cities. They still need a car. They still yeah. need a home. Many of them still want to get married early. My son doesn't. It's a, you know, so you, you have different, many different segments in that millennial population. And uh, I find it very difficult to label them all, uh, paint them all with the same brush. Uh, now, they're very independent-minded, and they need a lot more information, and they need different kinds of information, and some of them need more hand-holding, and some of them, so they want to be able to choose the experience they have, but the number one factor with them is they monitor what other people's experience has been, so if they're checking out a lender or a loan, they're very, very, so, so you have to be pay a lot of attention to making sure you treat your customers well, so that they will monitor that experience. And my son has never gotten a mortgage, but he knows some of the mortgage lenders based on uh, just the reputations they have. So managing their reputation, making it easy for them, not spoon feeding them, giving them a lot of information so they can make a choice. These are some of the factors I think that go in. I, I mean, I think I'm I'm still blown away, and I think this is only going to increase, or, you know, uh, increase in this way that uh, the amount of data and information that uh, this next generation of borrowers is going to have available to them that previous generations just didn't. I mean, right. large lenders and real estate agents and real, I mean, they were they were the keepers of so much information that you just couldn't access anyway. Now, I mean, it's available everywhere. So, I, I mean, that, for simple things, I mean, these yeah. people know far more. They do far more research. You know, whenever we go out to dinner or uh, lunch with my son, you know, he picks out a restaurant and he's read up all the history of it and what the dishes. I mean, he knows all of that before going. I never knew or cared about those things when I was in age, his age. So just think about how home, you know, he's got, he's got very definitive ideas about the kind of appliances he wants and the kind of kitchen layout he wants and, you know. So much information right now, yeah. So um, looking at, uh, you know, this is kind of an interesting question here. Um, so as we're talking, as we're filming this, the uh, um, national government, the Congress has just uh, sort of, uh, or the government has reopened in the last week or so. And uh, so it's not like Congress and the president are working necessarily well right now, but this is kind of a, a what if question to you, USA. So if you could tell Congress and the president to work on one mortgage or housing related issue this year, and let's just pretend for a moment that it would work and everyone would work together, what would it be? So one of the big concerns in many areas is uh, housing affordability. So I, I don't have any easy answers to that, uh, but I know a lot of, uh, I was in, I have a home in Bellevue, Washington, and the Seattle area is experiencing the same issues as my home here in California. Uh, I happen to be, for whatever reason, in two of the most uh, <laughs> uh, expensive markets where affordability is a big issue. So that is one of the solutions. And the only advice I would give to the government, 
is don't come up with a solution without uh, taking the practical considerations and without co-opting the industry. Quite often, in a very well-intended manner, the government has tended to create solutions that are unworkable and that don't blend with the normal incentive process. You know, understand, you know, one of the things I always keep telling is, I have never seen people more determined to go out and do more business than people in the mortgage industry. So keen on that incentive, work with industry experts, and then carve out a solution to affordability that makes a sense. The other thing they're taking on is, and this has been talked about for so many years, but if they don't find a solution, don't do is GSE reform. And the only issue, I'm not going to take sides or anything, that the only issue I'm going to make is liquidity. Don't tamper with liquidity solutions because liquidity in housing in good times and bad times is very, very critical. And when I was at Radiant, and I don't know where my mind is now because I haven't studied that issue closely, our view was some percentage of a government guarantee, you know, government backing, whether it was a 50% LTV or whatever, and the rest of it being private, was the answer. So those are the two things. But work with the industry. Don't develop solutions in isolation because they won't work. There'll be problems. And we in the industry, I generally think we have a lot of leaders and a lot of people in the industry who deeply care about protecting the future housing market. And if there are things that can be done on the affordability side that will open up the door for more people to buy homes, you think we in the industry are resistant? We'll love that. That's more business for us. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, in creating some certainty to the long-term certainty, right. I think it's huge for us, too. Um, so uh, I've got uh, one last question here. So... Uh, Clearly, you know, you said earlier on that you're retired, but clearly you're not ready to go, you know, golfing and, and go on a perpetual vacation. So, you know, what, you know, what one thing uh, excites you about the industry going forward? We've talked about a lot of stuff, but is there, is there one thing that really, you know, will get you up in the morning and wants you to still, you know, uh, be involved in the industry and be an advocate? So there's a lot more tools and technology and, and ways of doing things, social engineering, connecting things and social media that's available now than was the case when, in, when I was early in my career. And since I don't have, I'm, I'm not tied into a large company and I don't have huge requirements to go through legal teams and, and you know, go through all those things. Uh, what, what inspires me is ideas, you know, coming up with ideas and working with smart people in, you know, and they come up with ideas and helping them launch those ideas in a different way. So I'm involved with many different startups and and i only mention a few uh, one of them is a uh, social survey um, okay, an advisor yeah. to uh, scott harris is a terrific guy and they really they figure out how to help people improve their yelp and google ratings uh, i'm involved with uh, a company called meritize which makes student loans to mm. very very specialized fields of uh, students who um, with, with very high employment rate in critical skill areas. And now they've migrated into working with employers on uh, filling jobs for which the employers don't have any successors. So they're just partnering. First partner is a Houston school uh, that needs diesel mechanics. The old generation of diesel mechanics is retiring and the next generation is not coming in. So the school pro a training program that will train these students will finance it and then the employer will hire some of those people uh, so that's a great tool. Then I'm involved in helping uh, States Title, which is an amazing company that's trying to uh, use 
new technology in making the title insurance process uh, smoother, better, and uh, they're doing it while working with other title companies. Uh, and hopefully what they're doing is infectious and will transform the whole industry. So there's a lot of exciting things. And then mortgage media is the other one. So there's a number of these exciting things going on. I'm not and, sure how you call uh, it retired. It sounds well, like Well, it is retired. Active, so, yeah. It's still retired because I don't have a full-time job in any of these industries. And my goal is to, after some of these things uh, find their legs, move on. So at some point, uh, hopefully, Eric and Dave Stevens and Tom, if he's, you know, uh, Wilkins, if he's so inclined or not, will take on more of the, or then I'll move on to the next thing. But meantime, it's very, very exciting to be here with you. And uh, thanks for my getting involved with Mortgage Media. I get a chance to Absolutely. reacquaint myself with uh, the wonderful people uh, who make made up my past, like you, and they it's can now be some part of my present. Absolutely, it's <laughs> good to see you again. And the industry is definitely richer for you having you stick around. So I'm glad you haven't retired and gone off to the golf course for the rest of your life. So. Well, this is my golf. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, we'll take it. Uh, so, S.A., hey, thanks again for joining Thank us. Thank you. Uh, we're filming uh, during the uh, week of the NBA's IMB conference, so S.A.'s got to get back to the conference. But uh, that does it for this episode of Connect. Join us next month as we uh, take on our next guest in a one-on-one -on -one interview. And uh, if you have any questions about the California NBA, be sure to click in the link below in the description or the uh, show notes. And if I can add one more thing. Absolutely. Thing. You and Susan have done such a great job at the California Mortgage Bankers Association. My congratulations to you in terms of what you've done, and I hope you keep doing it for a long time. Well, I won't argue with that. Thanks again, S.A. Thank you.